The Athletic. Hello there, this is The Athletic Football Podcast Weekend Preview and we're back with FA Cup action this weekend. This is Adam Leventhal here at The Athletic HQ in our wonderful studio. It is good to be here once again uh, alongside a great panel, as always, John McKenzie. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. I'm ready to go once again. It's it's a bit of a stop-starty time, isn't it, with Premier League action and FA Cup action. So, yeah, I've just sort of regrouped. I've dialed back into FA Cup action, as I hope you have as well. Oh, yes. I always look forward to the FA Cup. Yes. Yeah, you don't do that. No. <laughs> ah, but someone who must surely be looking forward to the FA Cup nope. is Tim <laughs> Spears looking forward to a black country derby. Nope. Dreading it. Oh, mate. <laughs> it, do you feel sick? Yeah. I'm quite irrational when it comes to this fixture. Uh, so when Wolves played the replay in the third round, I, I just had to get away. Like I didn't want any updates on my phone. I was that sort of nervous mm. about the prospects of this match happening. That's just the prospect. Yeah. So, yeah, it does silly things to me. Yeah. We'll get stuck into it a little bit more uh, later on in the show. Alongside you both is Luke Bosher back in the studio. You good? I'm very well. You can't beat a bit of Magic of the Cup, can you? Do you believe in the Magic of the Cup? I, I think it can make dreams come true. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Chelsea fan in the cup is great all of a sudden shocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've never heard it asked like that before. Like, do you believe do you... in Santa? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I ask you actually because it is already, and we're only in the fourth round of the FA Cup, a very top two division heavy draw. Only three of the teams are outside the top two divisions in Newport, Wrexham and Maidstone, who are the only non-league side left in the competition. So it's not that magical anymore is it really well I, I don't know could be magical I think there's something that like there's a maximum of 10 Premier League sides can qualify for the fifth round because there's quite a lot of all Premier League ties in this round yeah so it's quite all ex- Premier yeah. League ties, so it's quite yeah. exciting with regards to looking forward it won't be as Premier League dominated yeah arguably yeah there's different ways of looking at it I like that and before we get stuck into the fixtures shall we reflect on the predictions from last week yes I think we should, (laughs) because I was looking and someone did quite well, actually. There were no perfect predictions of score, I must say, but both Luke and I had three correct results. Uh, Arsenal against Palace, Bournemouth against uh, Liverpool and Brighton against Wolves. John, you had two correct uh, Arsenal against Palace, Brentford against Forest. My Bournemouth prediction to beat Liverpool didn't go didn't go well. No, it did didn't. It? No. it didn't. But the closest that anyone came to being basically the biggest brain on football predictions was myself. That's funny, was, though, isn't it? it isn't that <laughs> ironic? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? Obviously, Arsenal were leading 4-0 against Crystal Palace. I cheered Palace. that fifth goal very, oh. very <laughs> viciously. I was talking to my wife, my kids, in the, in the kitchen as we were just sort of, you know, milling around. I was like, I predicted... 
a 4-0 victory when it was 3-0 and they went, oh, how many more minutes to go? Six minutes, brilliant. Oh, yeah. And then it went Sorry, in. I refuse to believe that your family cared that much. There's <laughs> <laughs> no way. There's no way they were like, oh, my God. No, they, they, <laughs> were. they were. They're young and sort of, you know, enthusiastic, my children. You know, my wife was actually sort of probably humouring me. Yes, you're right. <laughs> However... You're forgetting yeah. this is a repair shop household. It doesn't take much to get them too excited. <laughs> oh, dear. The repair shop. We haven't talked about that for a while. Anyway, right, let's get stuck into the uh, the fixtures. 32 teams left, so 16 fixtures, obviously. Five all-Premier League ties. Uh, the fixture formation, oh, it's got a lovely palindromic feel to it. One, four, six, four, one. From Thursday until Monday. Brilliant. So Bournemouth against Swansea kicks us off on Thursday. Then on Friday... Some decent fixtures, actually. Uh, you've got Sheffield Wednesday against Coventry, then Chelsea against Aston Villa, which is one of five all-Premier League ties. Bristol City against Nottingham Forest. Bristol City hoping to follow up their victory against West Ham. And then you've got Spurs against Man City. We'll be talking about that at length. Saturday lunchtime, Maidstone, as I mentioned, they are trying to cause another upset, but they're up against a really difficult side in Ipswich. That's at 12.30 on Saturday. Then at three o'clock, you've got Sheffield United against Brighton, Leeds against Plymouth, Leicester, Birmingham, and then Everton against Luton. Saturday evening, another all-Premier League tie in Fulham against Newcastle. Then on Sunday, 11.45, couldn't make it any earlier, could they? West Brom against Wolves. Then you've got uh, Watford against Southampton, Liverpool, Norwich, and then Newport County against Manchester United. And then on Monday evening, Blackburn against Wrexham. We are going to start, though, with some of those big Premier League matchups. Okay, let's focus on Spurs against Manchester City. And you know what? Interesting stat in this fixture. The last five games that Manchester City have played at Tottenham... They've not won or even scored. Spurs have won the last five games. Does that surprise you, Tim? Uh, yes, it it's, does. Quite a, it's quite a stat, well, isn't well, it? Well, I knew it anyway, so no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but as a stat, does it surprise you? Yeah, not the fact yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah, of course. There, yeah. There, there have, it's mostly been a case of low block, Conte, Mourinho and Nuno. Um, but yeah, and sort of battling the way to one nil wins. Mm. But of course, it's surprising that a team, Man City, have just failed to score at the whole at this stadium, ever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's more of a quirk than anything. But it'll be, it'll be a very different game to all of those all of those previous five on Friday night. Yeah, because we got that three three, didn't we, um, last month? And that feels more like the sort of game that will pan out, especially when it's a it's a knockout game as well, John. Yeah, I think there's a lot being made of this statistic that that City have struggled to s score at the Spurs stadium in the last few fixtures because, as Tim said, this, the style of football that was being played before was low block and counter. So Spurs made it really hard to break break them down and made it set themselves up to hit City on the break, which is one of the ways that City are most vulnerable. That didn't happen in the 3-3 game. And in many respects, actually, I've, I felt that Spurs were a little bit lucky to come out with a point from that fixture because they basically scored their three, I, I say good chances, even, even th th some of them didn't even feel like great chances either. Um, so this, it feels to me as though the game, as you say, is not going to follow the same formula that a lot of the other games have, have gone in the past. Uh, this isn't going to be a low scoring. It's not going to be like a 1-0 victory because 
Spurs simply hold out long enough, it's going to be, um, yeah, I think it feels like a little bit more of a rambunctious uh, fixture. And it'll be, I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun. I think that City are going to turn Spurs over at some point this season. There's going to be one game where mm. it, it, they can they could maybe get a bit of a runaway uh, scoreline. Could be this one, maybe not. I guess it, a lot of the the that comes down to whether or not. Spurs are going to treat this as a serious fixture because they don't have any; they're not in any other cups. And City, maybe if they rest a few players, then it, it, it could be a little bit more balanced. But I do feel as though the 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 next fixture between these two sides, I think City could could maybe run away with it. Well, I'd be amazed if Spurs fielded a weakened team. He played his strongest eleven against Burnley at home in the last round, despite you know January and Christmas coming off the back of a busy Christmas period. Um, he rested everyone for the Carabao Cup when they went out to Fulham back in sort of August September, but. Um, yeah, I think they'll be taking this one seriously. As John says, you know, no Europe. Um, obviously, they're fighting for top four or five. But the big thing for Spurs now is, you know, players coming back. Um, Madison's back for this one. Van der Ven is back recently. And yeah, there will be goals. Um, there have been 75 goals in Spurs matches in the Premier League this season, which is more than any other team's games, just ahead of uh, Newcastle on 73 and Man City on 71. So yeah, we know what you're going to get with Spurs. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be high risk. It's going to be fun. Well, that's what we're hoping for. And it's interesting you mentioned James Madison. It's good to see him back, isn't it? Considering the form that he was in before, just in terms of, yeah, obviously this is a cup game, but for the Premier League push for Spurs as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, as we're recording now, Ange Postacoglu's just had his press conference and said Madison can start, which is obviously a huge boost for Spurs in this game. And it's kind of interesting to see, you know, now that Spurs are getting these players back, Van der Ven's obviously come back in the last couple of weeks as well. But in terms of like the front four that Spurs play, who's going to kind of drop out to accommodate Madison? Because Kulisevsky's been playing a bit as a number 10, playing quite well there, I think. Um, but then you've also got they've signed Timo Werner, Richarlison's now the number nine with Son at the Asian Cup and Brennan Johnson's been getting minutes on the right and the left-hand side. So obviously one of those four is going to kind of have to drop out to accommodate Madison. And, and Tim will obviously know a bit more than me about the Spurs aspect, but it's, it's sort of those those good problems that Postacoglu has in terms of he can actually rotate and, you know, take players off when they need to. Whereas I think, you know, in their last game, you know, Brennan Johnson and Werner, I think, got a little bit criticised for their sort of lack of production. But now, you know, Postacoglu's got an array of talent uh, at his disposal against City. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, Son's obviously out, but I think dropping Brennan Johnson would be a good thing for the team and for the player because they weren't expecting him to have started this many matches this season. He's started a lot in a row because they've had players out. Richarlison's out, was out, sorry. Um, Kulisevsky and Madison have had spells out and now Son's at the Asian Cup. So yeah, his end product isn't quite there yet. He's still adapting from going from a counter-attacking team that doesn't see a lot of the ball to a team that has an awful lot of the ball in the final third and his decision-making hasn't quite caught on yet. However, as a bench option, I think he'd be great. So I think it'd be good to sort of take him out the firing line and have him as a sub. You worry about burnout, don't you? It's quite, oh, yeah. You're quite concerned. About... Maybe it's just me. I'm just tired. <laughs> oh, just, <laughs> you worry about burnout yourself. <laughs> yeah, maybe than... it's just on my mind. Maybe though. it's just you. Go on, John. I was going to say, we've just uh, put out a sensible transfers video over at the oh, Athletic yeah. FC talking about Spurs. Um, and it's really interesting because we did one six months ago when Ange Postacoglu first turned up. And the big question back then was, how do they make this squad work for Ange Postacoglu? Because they've just had Antonio Conte, who has back three wing back system and you look at the squad and there was it was you know it was really heavy with wing backs and the 
big question was, how is this going to work? But we fast forward to now, six months later, and you look at that squad and you think, actually, the squad's got a decent amount of depth. There's, there's areas where they can improve, obviously, but the squad actually seems to fit the shape of the system that Andrew Postacoglu is using as well. So, yeah, it's been, it's been quite impressive to see what they've, they've been doing. And I think making a lot of sensible transfers along the way. Was Antonio Nusa included in your sensible transfer? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah. But yeah. he's someone that is sort of in the mix for a transfer from Club Bruges, if people aren't aware, um, and maybe being loaned back to them. I know that there are other clubs in the, in the hunt for him as well. But is it, you don't want to, you don't want to have too many um, wingers that can play on the on the flanks of that front three, do you? You don't want to you don't want to sort of clog your team up too much. Do well, you? you only want one on each side, yeah. yeah. But Antonio Nuso is a really exciting player because we've been talking a lot ever since Andrew Postecoglou arrived about how much his system is based around having touchline hugging wingers who are really good in one v one situations. And generally yeah. speaking, if you can get a two way winger, so a winger who can go either way around the fullback, just makes the fullback's life a nightmare uh, to to defend because you can't be sure necessarily which way they're going to go. Antonio Nusa fits that that profile yeah. really well. So he's, I think he's the first one that we've seen where you get the feeling that he's a, a game changer in that kind of position. We've seen Richarlison play there. We've seen Son play there. Brennan Johnson, as we've said, hasn't quite hit the ground running. Kulisevsky feels a little bit more like a, an interior player, so you can play him in the in the eight slot as well. Um, he doesn't feel like a, a player who, from a standing start, is going to just burn a, a fullback. So Antonio Nusa, I think, is is an exciting prospect precisely because he fits that ideal profile of a player that Ange Postacoglu wants in the wide area which if he can get around fullbacks can hit the byline play the ball back in across the box and generate those really dangerous chances that we're seeing Richarlison take. I mean there is a forgotten man here in Manor Solomon who was a game changer for Fulham last season but has been out for a couple of months injured I think I think he should be back fairly soon so I think the, maybe the plan might be to send Noosa back on loan for the rest of the season because he's obviously very young. But yeah, Manor Solomon's another one to add to those options. And to have Madison sitting in and feeding balls to these players is quite... Plus you've got Porro and Adoggi who are just unbelievable at attacking as well. So I'd put you... If, if they manage to get through past City, I'd, I'd keep your eye on Spurs for the Cup. Postacoglu's record in Cup competitions wherever he's been has, has been very good. You know, he, he is a serial winner in his career and we know that Spurs are obviously capable of beating any team in the country on their day with their approach. So if you listen to this on Saturday and they've been dumped out, ignore what I'm saying. <laughs> However, you know, I think it stands to reason. If they get through, especially with no Europe, they'd be a good bet for the competition. It is a, it's a really sort of attractive tie because obviously you've got Spurs in fifth in the Premier League, Man City second at the moment, and both in really good form. Spurs five wins out of seven, City eight wins out of nine. Obviously, there sounds as if there's a bit of confidence around Spurs, but City will come into this and think, we're going to exploit that space which is created and they've got Kevin De Bruyne back and in the flow already just ready to do it I guess. Yeah I mean we kind of saw that in the the 3-3 earlier this season and City as you say are in really good form and De Bruyne are back. I'm not sure if De Bruyne will start because I think this is obviously the thing with him is that they they brought him back from his injury against Burnley I think on the opening day of the season and he only lasted 25 minutes before getting a recurrence of his previous injury so obviously you know it was two weeks ago basically I think feeding him in well yeah exactly I think you know he came on against Newcastle and was an absolute game changer with goal and an absolutely gorgeous assist for uh, Oscar Bob I think it was so I think although it you know you look at it oh they've had two weeks off De Bruyne's obviously in full training it would maybe make sense for him to start, particularly as the fact that you could rest him against Burnley on Wednesday, which is City's next Premier League fixture. But I think Pep Guardiola should be more cautious than that. And it's not like they haven't got 
an embarrassment of riches to play in those kind of attacking positions. I think, you know, although Julian Alvarez has maybe struggled a little bit in, in recent months playing or recent weeks, sorry, playing as like a number nine when Haaland's been out. I think he's still a very capable option. And, you know, we've obviously seen Bob coming in looking very, very good and Doku, Foden, Bernardo. It's like, how do you get all these players into the team? So I think, yeah, it'll, you know, going back to your first question, it'll it'll resemble something of a basketball match, I think, if both teams go strong, which, you know, I think they will. Just a couple of words about transfers in and out. Calvin Phillips is on his way to, to West Ham. How have you assessed, obviously, the, the move away from Leeds? You're a Leeds fan, John. Um, the fact that it hasn't turned out at Man City and now what he will be capable of doing at West Ham, do you think? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to a lot. tease out Just there. in 30 seconds. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think there's a sense in which um, Calvin Phillips was maybe inflated by the Marcelo Bielsa system, um, which, which I, I always verbalise as, as it buys players more time. Uh, and I think maybe if you're if you're not at the level of technicality that, that a lot of the team that Leeds had when they were coming out of the Championship into the Premier League, that that can actually make a player look better than they are. So I think there's maybe an element of that being the case. But also with Phillips, there was just injury issues um, throughout his last few seasons at Leeds. Barely played in in both the first season up and the, and the second season up as well. So yeah, I think that that's the underlying reason for why he's, he's perhaps struggled. Um, but also, we're talking about a system where Pep Guardiola has had Rodri, who is the best pivot player, pivot defensive midfielder in the world. And no one, for me, no one comes close to him. So you're, you're being compared to that level as well. And I think the system now has been developed around the fact that Guardiola can use Rodri to do things that most other players can't do. So there's, I think, because the, the chasm of the gap between them was there, it, it probably made him look um, a little bit off the, the level that was required as well. Um, but yeah, going going to West Ham makes sense, right? I think most people say Calvin Phillips to West Ham is a move that that you know should work out. It, it will suit his his play style, uh, and it will help them. I think they've got a few issues in, in central midfield at the moment. So yeah, it, it seems to be the perfect place to rehabilitate. And great news for Gareth Southgate because we yeah. know how much he likes Phillips and has still been playing him. You know he'll, he'll be desperate to fit him in that team. You know you look at England's midfield three; it'll be Rice and it'll be Bellingham, but that extra player. We know Southgate wants it to be Phillips, but he it saves him a difficult decision. I think if he if Phillips plays for the rest of the season for West Ham, he'll be in the team. I would have thought, you know, Henderson is what it is. Gallagher hasn't quite convinced in an English shirt yet, and Trent Alexander-Arnold's an interesting experiment, but I don't think that's one Southgate would necessarily pursue at a tournament. So yeah, I think it's it's great news for Southgate. Let's get your predictions, Luke. Uh, I'm going to go for a two-two replay, City to win. Tim. Uh, two two is also my prediction. What's two gonna two and who's going to win in the replay? Well, we'll discuss it on a future episode. <laughs> future. I'm not saying a draw because <laughs> it means <laughs> you're just making it even more, okay. even less likely to no, be correct. That's fine. Uh, John, City three one. City three one. That's a one three. I'm writing down, and the actual score is going to be two nil to Manchester City. That's a nil two, I believe. Nil two. Yeah. Should we go to Stamford Bridge? Yes. Okay, here we go. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So also on Friday night, it is another high-profile clash. Chelsea up against Aston Villa. Chelsea had huge cup success um, against Middlesbrough. 6-1. No mercy. How big was that for, for Pochettino? I think bigger was getting through to the final and kind of overcoming the 1-0 deficit because I think there were a lot of nerves surrounding the second leg after they'd lost and in quite embarrassing fashion to a a Middlesbrough side that have struggled a little bit this season. Honestly, I would like disregard the scoreline because it was one of the most bizarre games I've Mm. watched this season where Middlesbrough just looked like all at sixes and sevens. Chelsea were bizarrely ruthless. They were like that though in the first leg and... And Chelsea just couldn't score. So yeah, that's right. I mean, something different was in the air. I don't <laughs> right, can't yeah. explain it. It's I, I probably should cup. be able to explain it, you know, in slightly more detail than something was in the air. But I, I honestly would disregard the scoreline because it was one of those where I think almost as soon as the second goal went in, I watching at home was like, well, this game's done. Not just because of the 2-0 scoreline, but just the way the goals had been scored, mm. the kind of visual reactions of the Middlesbrough players. Heads down, all that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was like, especially and then 3-0, 4-0 before half-time, it was like, well, you know, this, we all know how this is going to pan out. We should just end it here. They're not going to win the final though, are they? I don't know. I mean, if you watch the Liverpool-Fulham game, which is as re-recording last night, Wednesday night, Fulham game gave Liverpool, and that was Liverpool's, you know, pretty much strongest 11 right now, a pretty good go. They drew one all. So I don't think Liverpool are completely infallible. But what Chelsea obviously have a bit of a Wembley hoodoo. But enough about that. Enough about that. Yeah. Getting off topic, Adam. Well, no, I just think it's interesting because obviously there's there's a fair amount of um, pressure on Maurizio Pochettino to deliver uh, something at Chelsea this season. Do you think that there is that sort of corrected the imbalance and the sort of the uncertainty at Chelsea to be able to sort of make the final, kick on over this next month, see how you do in the league, maybe try and get another cup run going in the in the FA Cup as well. Do you feel it moving in the in the right direction? Cole Palmer, for example, you know, doing well again. Yeah, I think it definitely. Um and particularly at home as well, Pochettino is is very much, you know, kind of building something. I, I can't remember the exact number. It's like seven or eight games, you know, Chelsea's last games at home of we've Chelsea have won them all and the exception to that being the the uh, draw against Manchester City, which of course you know on another day Chelsea could have won, and the you know City are the best team in England probably, uh, with the greatest respect to to Spurs and Liverpool and Arsenal. I think they and still Watford. are, <laughs> and Bournemouth, yeah. Yeah, of course, <laughs> the real best yeah. team in. <laughs> but I and I think it buys him a lot of credit with the fans as well because a cup final is great, and you know you, you know talk about how good Liverpool are, but a cup final at the end of the day is a one off fixture, you know it, that. The magic of the cup is that anything can happen in in a in a single game. Hang so on, I think you've just taken the magic of the FA Cup into the Carabao Cup. There isn't magic, <laughs> the magic in the Carabao of, Cup. No, it's the magic of the cup. I said. It's I not. You can't have. No, you it's the magic of the FA cup. cup. It's still a cup. It's not the, the magic, magic of, of the, the league cup. cup. It is the magic of the cup. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't, Sorry, can, I don't uh, care. someone back well, me up on it this? Depends or? who's sponsoring it. Is the, <laughs> it's like the energy of the Carabao yeah. Cup, energy, maybe, yeah, or like Carabao. there could be. Uh, you don't the, have magic the, in the League Cup, do you? The you iron can. of the milk you cup, definitely or can. something like that. Sorry, going <laughs> the touring of that. <laughs> well, anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Aston Villa side of the the bargain. Obviously, they're still in the top four. 
going along really well. They've got, you know, to have to balance the 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 pressures also in uh, the conference league as well. Where do you think this this ranks in their priority list? Do you think that Unai Emery will be thinking, yeah, I'm going to really go for it in the FA Cup, or have they got? Other, not bigger, other fish to fry. Yeah, it's probably third in third in their list. I think. I think it's a horrible draw for them, and we'll probably we'll know from the team sheet their priorities, and we'll probably know at that point. Yeah, that that'll decide who wins. I think. I think if Villa rest a few, then Chelsea with a bit of momentum and a couple of decent home wins recently, they'll overpower them. I mean, Villa have got Newcastle at home on Tuesday night in the Premier League, which I think they'd probably consider a bigger game if they've got Champions League footballers as a potential here. And we know what Emery's record is like in European competitions. I think those are the two that they'll be looking at. But, you know, Chelsea's so unpredictable that they could get through and all of a sudden the draw opens up and it becomes more of a priority. I've got a note written down here to mention Aston Villa's high defensive line to John. Because it's the sort of thing that he'll get into. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tickle your sort right, of your tactical taste buds. Yeah, come on. Well, it says on the running order, a ridiculously high defensive line. Um, it, I, I think it's important to distinguish between teams playing with a high line and the fact that they play with an aggressive line. I think generally what happens is that teams have really quite aggressive sets of triggers for when they're going to move their defensive line up and down. Mm-hmm. Villa have a very aggressive one, which means that they, they will not drop their line un- until right the very last minute, which means that they end up remaining high. It's not that they start off being like, we're going to just play high here. It's that uh, all, all defensive lines will have a series of, of rules about what they're, what they're going to be doing in, in order to respond to different things happening further forward. So let's say a centre-back has the ball mm-hmm. and they're unmarked. Um, and they have the ability to play a nice ball in behind. A lot of other Premier League teams will start dropping their line at that point or they'll be ready to drop the line at that point. But but Villa won't, for example. If the, the ball is played back to a goalkeeper, for example, from the centre-back, then they'll push their line up higher again. You'll compact space, make it easier to, to press the opposition. It's only when that centre-back starts driving forward that, that Villa will really start um, worrying and, and start dropping their line. And what will happen is until that centre-back is under pressure from another Villa player further up the pitch, then they'll stop their line again. So one reason why they catch teams off uh, players offside quite a lot is because they get into these scenarios where someone's carrying the ball from the opposition one of the Villa players will put them under pressure and that will cause them to stop the line when they're under pressure they'll try and play the through ball but their line has stopped the opposition forward has has gone into an offside position and that's why they're being caught offside so yes they often end up with a high defensive line but it's because they have really aggressive triggers that that um that dictate when the 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 the, the line's going to step up or drop back I just saw um Oh no, go on, Luke. I was just going to say, I think it will be interesting to see how Villa's high line and, and their triggers cope against Chelsea because we've seen in quite a lot of Chelsea's wins, particularly in the, the sort of November, December period, you know, obviously the game against Tottenham was, you know, quite famous for that when Tottenham down to nine continued to play a high line. Chelsea had success against it when City employed it, Brighton did it, Newcastle did it as well, even with Jamal Lascelles in the team, who's, you know, not their first choice centre-back. And, and it works for Chelsea because they've got quite a lot of quick players who like to kind of stretch the defence. You know, you think of Mudrick, who struggled against Middlesbrough and was hooked at half-time, but it wouldn't surprise me necessarily if Poch brought him back into the team. Obviously, you've got someone like Sterling. Armando Breuer will probably start as the number nine. He likes to run in behind. And Jackson, what, Jackson got a yeah, hat-trick in the great Spurs game. At it. Obviously, he's he's still at AFCON with, with Senegal. And the, the other players as well, Madweke is more of a ball-to-feet type of winger, but he can do it. Conor Gallagher likes to break the lines as well. So it, I think it will be a really interesting kind of tactical battle, as John alludes to, because... And Chelsea obviously have, you know, Enzo Fernandez, great, you know, ball-playing defenders like Dezassi, Cole Will, who can find those players over the top. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Should we get some score predictions? 
Yeah, go on then. Go on then. I'm going first. Yeah, you are. (laughs) You looked at me. I'm going first. I did. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. 2-1 Chelsea. Thank you, Luke. (laughs) Literally what I was going to say. I can't can't say. Yeah, you can. No, no, no. Come on. Uh, Trust yourself. 2-1 Chelsea. Thank you. John? 2-1 Villa. 2-1 Villa. Brilliant. And Adam says that it is going to be 4-2 to Chelsea. Brilliant. Right, (laughs) next up. Oh, boing, boing, boing. It is time for a black country derby. I can't wait. You're such an idiot. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. So, Tim, it is West Brom against Wolves. We haven't had the pleasure of Black Country Derby for quite a few years, May 2021, and that was a 1-1 draw. It was during COVID, wasn't it? So the last meeting with fans present, what was the score? I don't remember. What was the score? I don't remember. What was the score at Molyneux in 2012? It was 5-1 to West Brom. At Molyneux? At Molyneux. That's an absolute hammering. What happened that day? Uh, Can you do you vividly remember? Or yeah, it was one of the worst days of my life. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> was it? Uh, but it was also it was a, it was a really like uh, pivotal game in our history. Okay, because we were sort of teetering on the brink of relegation at that time with about thirteen games to go, and we lost five one. Mick McCarthy was sacked. Uh, we didn't win another game for the rest of the season, and we were relegated. And then we were relegated the next season, all the way to League One. Wow. So it was a real moment. Mm. It's often thought if Mick stayed, he might have just kept us up and history would have been very different. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have had the fall and the rise and the Nuno and the Europe and all that malarkey, yeah. would you? So Yeah. Are you trying to make me say I'm, I'm glad it happened? Yeah. No. It's all part of the rich tapestry <laughs> of life. Look, you're gonna, we're going to struggle here if you keep this up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's concentrate on the game, okay? Just tell us what this derby is like, how hotly contested it is, how much the, the hatred... How intense is that hatred? Uh, it's it's fierce. It's a proper derby. I would mm. compare it to Newcastle Sunderland, but on a smaller scale. And obviously, because Wolves and West Brom have not been Premier League regulars too much over the past sort of three decades, it's not as maybe as well known about. But yeah, it's proper. It's fierce. Everybody in that stadium hates the opposition. And there's obviously, you know, uh, uh, divided families. It's two working class towns where football means everything to a lot of people. So that comes out in, you know, Tribal form, hatred, does weird things to silly people. I can't, I, I can't even say their name, really. I don't like saying their name. To show you how irrational I am, 
the old Tesco carrier bags that were like sort of thin oh, yeah. blue and white stripes. Yeah. I would never, this is before people would take their own bags to the supermarket. It was like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, I would never use those those bags from Tesco. I would take my own bags. I refuse to be seen walking around the streets with a bag that had blue and white stripes on it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Do you Completely use different shade of blue. No, uh, maybe now, but back, yeah. back in the day, it was it was it was pretty Albion. Well, I've said it. I mean, I guess it says it says a lot, right? That they've they've scheduled this game for an eleven forty-five a.m. Oh yeah. Off, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is this was never going to be eight p.m. on Saturday night, was it? No, no. Um, but it's big. It's obviously a massive sellout. You know, the Brentford replay in the third round was turned into the biggest game of the season for a lot of fans because, as you say, this is rare. So this is the longest. The longest, certainly, that Wolves and West Brom have ever gone with like fans not present for a derby. Like twelve years is an awful long time, so it's really, really highly anticipated by most people, not by me. Do you use the word boing for anything? Do you ever use it? No, I try not to. That's just stupid. What Why? are you doing? Boinging up and down like Zebedee, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it's what it does to me. Like I just yeah. Oh, I do Sorry. like it. I feel it's like you should fun. explain the boing thing. No, I think we should get Tim to explain the boing thing. Come on, explain the boing thing. For people who aren't familiar with boing, boing baggies, tell us. I don't know where it comes from and I don't really care, but when they score, they're just boing up and down and say boing, boing. It's stupid. Okay, let's <laughs> let's find out and give you a proper explanation. The chant boing, boing came from when Preston North End had a plastic pitch and West Brom scored a goal from where the ball bounced several times and then bounced over the goalkeeper and into the net. I don't know if that's true. It's the first thing that popped up when I searched it. So there you go. Boing, boing. Anyway, in terms of the game, mm. you should be going into this with confidence. You're no. playing well under no. Gary O'Neill. No, irrelevant. No. Irrelevant. So since 1990, we've played them 33 times and we've won six. Mm. It's obscene. When won the, we've only won there once in my Wolf supporting lifetime. Once in 1996 when you and Robert scored a hat-trick. Uh, he had no front teeth and he was kind of yeah. a big grin, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've had some of the worst moments of my life of, of being you there. You say your Wolves supporting um, life. Yeah, yeah. Did, you, did you support West Brom before? No, because <laughs> for the first four years of my life, I didn't really support anyone. Right. That's you know disgusting. It's such a classic. <laughs> no, because we, so we won there in 1989, but I don't remember it. When you have fixtures like this that mean so much to the fans, and Wolves, you know, even you're know, talking about back in 2012, when, you know, Wolves maybe had more of a British-based team. It's a completely different sort of setup now. The the football club, the players, due to, you know, better European recruitment and things like that. I suppose the the messaging this week in the training ground would have been how important this is, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think yeah. that's that's an issue in the game, a Ma subplot to it? Mateus Cunha was clearly prepped because he said, oh, I've played in... I've played Brazil, Argentina or something. And it was like, yeah, this is the one. <laughs> like, you know. uh, but then Pedro Neto was asked about it after the Brighton game the other night. He said, obviously, I don't really know anything about it, but I'm very excited about it. So, yeah, I do worry from a Wolves point of view that they'll turn up to what will be an incredible atmosphere in a full house and be like, oh, yeah, do I fancy this? And obviously West Brom are going to be at it from the off. But in terms of an actual contest and, and talking about the football, West Brom don't need a cup run. Um, they're fighting for playoffs. Like, I've spoken to a West Brom fan literally minutes ago, back me up on this. You know, it's, it's in terms of their season, it's not as big as them as it is for Wolves, who probably not going to reach Europe, but a cup run would be high on the priority list. I'll come to you, John. Have you watched Carlos Cobaran's West Brom much? Because he's, he's he, you probably get on well with 
with Carlos. You'd have good chats about high lines and underlying <laughs> yeah. numbers, you two. Yeah, he's a smart guy. I've watched him give a few webinars about coaching. He was uh, the under-21s manager at Leeds yeah. uh, under Marcelo Bielsa yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. and very well respected um, by lots of Leeds fans off the back of that as well. And yeah, seems to have done a really solid job with a lot of teams actually in, in the championship uh, because he did a good job with Huddersfield as mm. well previously. There's questions about you know his his ability to coach like really good attacking play, but again, I think that just comes down to the fact that he's often coached teams where they, they don't have the wherewithal to really be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So if you bring in Carlos Corbran, what you know you're going to get is he's going to take the squad, he's going to do uh, the best he can with it, um, take the, the, the parts and try and make the, the whole bigger than the sum. But yeah, I, I, I think with, with West Brom, he's been, he's been yeah, very solid defensively. More than the sum of their parts? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, that's what right. I'm But yeah, I think they'll be, they'll be super tough to break down. Um, and I think that's an interesting dynamic shift for Wolves who are often... They, they play that role in the Premier League quite a bit, sit, sit a little bit deeper, make it hard for other teams to break them down and then have a really good um, a, a, a dynamic attacking counter-attackers. So, yeah, it could be, a, a, not to make Tim even more nervous, but it'll be a different dynamic for, the, uh, for Wolves than it usually is. So I expect this to be quite a fun game in a, in a maybe stodgy tactical way. But Are you going? Yeah. Oh, are you working? Yeah, I'm in the press box. Oh, yeah. are you? Yeah. <laughs> oh... I don't think you're going to enjoy that, are you? No. You'd rather be But I had to be there. Yeah. yeah. Are you doing it for our Derby Day series? Correct. Ah, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah, big feature. I should be on, on Tuesday morning on the website. Excellent. Um, just a quick one on um, on Wolves. We are in this transfer window period, obviously. Are they are they doing any business? Is something going to uh, Well, they've let two of their fringe strikers go, uh, Kalajic and Fabio Silva, on loan. So they need a striker. Like, Huang's out at Asia Cup at the moment and anyone who saw the Brighton game on Monday night knows that they need a striker who can finish but also just have awareness that he needs to be in the six-yard box for balls to go across the face because, you know, Pedro Neto is an expert at that. It's an area that they've struggled in to, to for find. For years now, yeah. yeah. For do you think, years, do you think yeah. Cunha's a, a proper number nine or do you see him always like a, I, a wide forward? He's you so were purring over him, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, he's been I brilliant recently. him quite yeah. a lot because like, yeah. he has been really good um, was up, the, until, the, up until the last game. The Brentford yeah. um, home fixture for the for the F, it was the FA Cup wasn't it and um, he was he was really good in that game I thought yeah yeah definitely he's just he's not the finisher he's quite he's quite raw isn't he I think that's the the problem is it like he can generate a lot through through speed and dynamism but then when it comes to those solid this has to go in chances you probably want someone else on the end yeah cutting in from the left he's, I mean his ball carrying is fantastic uh, and now that Neto's back on the right obviously he, you know we're talking about Madison coming back I think him and Neto were two of the real stars of the opening sort of two months of the season so uh, yeah I guess that gives me a bit of hope for Sunday it'll be alright let's see let's see what you actually think is going to happen uh, let's get our predictions for West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns against Wolverhampton Wanderers. What a lovely sounding fixture it is. Luke? Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 Wolves. 1-0 Wolves. John? I'm going to go upset. 1-0 boing boing baggies. Yeah, 1-0. <laughs> yeah, okay, West Brom, fine. Adam? It's going to be 0-3. Wolves are going to win 3-0. And um, <laughs> Tim? 1-0. 1-0? You're going to take them back home. Yeah. We shall see. Good luck, Tim. Okay, let's just quickly have a look at some of the other games. Luke, is there anything that catches your eye? Well, certainly not Watford Town. 
Uh, for uh, a start. Why not? Because it's just a championship game. No one needs. That's not the magic of the card. I'll tell you something interesting <laughs> for, for casual fans. Emmanuel Dennis is now back at Watford. Oh yeah. And I'll, yeah, what was yeah. what was something interesting that happened involving Emmanuel Dennis? Oh, is it nutmegs? Is something about yeah. nutmegs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Most I nutmegs. Knew, yeah, came to me. He's, He's a good league. player, Emmanuel Dennis. Are you a yeah. fan? Decent. I am thinking that he is going to add something different. He is a what's the phrase that you use? A game changer. He's a game changer. So it'll be interesting to see what he is able to do in the championship. And it's an interesting game against another championship side, although Southampton are doing very, very well at the top of the championship. So you're not looking forward to no, no, no. Watford against Southampton. Anything else that catches your eye, Luke? I mean, am I allowed to break the magic of the of the podcast and look at what's on <laughs> the sheet? You can because look at... Ipswich look... Maidstone is, you know, potential cup set. Absolutely. And obviously, I imagine, a... <sighs> I imagine Mr. Tim Spears will be fully behind Maidstone because they are managed, I believe, by Wolves legend... George Ellicobi. Yeah, cool hero rather than, rather than <laughs> cool legend. Hero, okay. um, but yeah, no, obviously they're on. A, they beat Stevenage in the last round and Ipswich. Yeah, I know Ipswich right They've got line. a plastic it's pitch. Got, it, They've got a plastic pitch, haven't they? But it's at Ipswich. Boing, boing. And mm. uh, yeah, they got, um, they're obviously priorities elsewhere. They got the, got a decent result at Leicester, didn't they, in the week? Yeah. Ipswich. So you never know. If they rest 11 players, which championship teams are often known to do in the FA Cup. I've got a feeling it might be sort of six or seven this one. Really? To, to Ipswich. I don't know. There's magic of the car. There's something in the air. I'm telling you. There's something in the air. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Stuff happens. We know that. It's the biggest game of all of their careers. Yeah. And, it's, it's and for Ipswich, it's the opposite. So that's this. it's a bit of a leveller. And it's, say. Yeah, it's, it's kind true. of mad as well, because you, you spoke about them being non-league before, but they're not just you know National League. They're National League South. To exactly. st- so to still kind of be in uh, at this stage of the competition is, is really good. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I it's believe that they're on telly because they missed out last time. On, yeah. on TV, which is very important, isn't it? Yeah. Newport County against Manchester United. I think if, well, Newport have got great pedigree in the cup. I remember yeah. they beat, uh, beat Leeds, of course, and Leicester. Yeah. That was when they had a dirty, horrible pitch. Do you yeah. remember? Michael Flynn. Yeah. Not, not quite the same prospect. All the games days, were on but... TV. It was always raining. It was always yeah, muggy. It was always wasn't on it? like BBC Wales, right? So there were <laughs> games Does were always on. Does it only on. rain on BBC Wales? <laughs> No, but that's why they're always on telly, I think, because it's... Cause they're, oh, I see, right, carry on, I mean? yeah, 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 fine. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not... Uh, well, you never know with Man United, but I don't quite see an upset there. I do fancy Wrexham to do something at Blackburn, though. Mm, yeah. They're, having, yeah, yeah. they're having a really horrible season, aren't they? And um, Blackburn are... Well, they lost recently 4-1 against West Brom. Yeah, it would be fun if um, Wrexham had a run, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think as well, you talk about the struggles of Blackburn, you know, to further upset the Apple car, I think we on The Athletic have reported um, that Palace are in for their best midfielder their yep. best player Adam Morton so it'll be interesting if he plays in this game because obviously Blackburn have, have it's an it's an important game for them and obviously they're at home and they might expect to win but championship championship survival is probably bigger and better and I don't necessarily know that they're looking to sell Wharton but you know if he plays and gets injured in January that's you know kiboshes any chance for a move and you know Palace had a bid rejected I think of like 18 and a half million so he's you know we're not talking about small figures here that's like game changing money for Blackburn so yeah, did you just say kiboshes? I did, yeah. Is I that... thought it was kiboshes. It is kiboshes. Is it kiboshes? Kibosh. Kibosh. You, kibosh. you should know how to pronounce yeah. that given it's got your name in it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. No, it's not kiboshes. Kibosh. Kibosh. <laughs> yeah. Kibosh. Maybe that's why yeah, yeah. you don't know how to pronounce it. Kiboshes. Kiboshes. Kibosh. 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 Fine, yeah. It's I'm good. fine with it. Keep it's it. a good word. You know what? The magic of podcasts sometimes is that you have moments where you say words you've never said out loud and you say them on a podcast. You know what? I think I have said that out loud and just no one's corrected me. 
That's cool. Well, you've obviously got better friends <laughs> yeah. outside of the studio than you do yeah, inside. Um, any other games or should we finish the podcast? I say we should finish the podcast if we've reached a nice natural end at this point. Yeah, I agree. Tim, I hope you have a good weekend. I hope you enjoy the game and we will catch up with you next week or would you go into some sort of hiding if you lose? Uh, I've been asked to do the, the Totally Football Show on Monday morning, oh. which I'm already regretting saying uh, yes to. So, don't know what to do. Might have to phone that one in. Yeah. <laughs> does, does James Richardson abuse you as much as Leventhal? Oh, no, no, he's great. We got him really well. <laughs> he's my, he's my favourite. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, me Although too. he didn't get me a T-shirt for Christmas. Exactly. So. Yeah. There you go. That's the difference, you see. Um, Luke, thank you very much. Are you going to a game this weekend? Uh, I am not. No, Did you I... play for Ribbles Down Rovers last week? I didn't. Week? I was working. We didn't mention I got that prediction wrong. I said that the other team, Partha Known or something, would, yeah. would win and they, they actually lost. It was Ribble, Ribbles Down won. Ribbles Down? Is it Ribbles Down? Ribbles yeah, they down. won. They won. Yeah. They won? Oh, good. But I was, I was working. So. Uh, okay, fine. And you're going to a game or you sat in your uh, uh, bunker? Yeah. yeah, I'm in my, my tactics bunker, I'm afraid. Watching all of the really important FA Cup games to glean what, what information I can from them. Don't be sarcastic, John. It's <laughs> unbecoming. Right. Thank you very much, as always, for being on the show. IO will be back on Monday with a special FA Cup shock edition featuring West Brom <laughs> and Wolves. That's good. That's potentially. Good. Um, just a reminder, if you're not an Athletic subscriber, you can set up now for £2 or $2 a month for your first 12 months. I hope you enjoy your FA Cup weekend and all the magic that that entails. Thanks very much for listening. The Athletic.